Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 131 of the Green Light Podcast, POC E-Phrase, Sweet 16 edition. And also, Ed Cooley has been hired by the Georgetown Hoyas. And I got a bone to pick, man. We have been firing texts off back and forth all day. I've been talking to old Rhode Island friends, whatever, about the reaction to Ed Cooley going to Georgetown. So let me start with this. As usual, I will go on my rant and Ian will try to bring me back to life. Let's start with this. Coach Edward Cooley did not handle this situation well at all. Coach Cooley, uh, I don't know why he was doing interviews late Sunday night. I don't know why he was talking about it this publicly. I don't know why he didn't take the route that 99.9% of college football, college basketball coaches say. And that route is, I'm 100% committed to X university. I've never been happier. And then two days later, they leave. The Roy Williams. The Roy Williams, like, patented, like, cans. What do you say? He's like, I don't give a damn about Carolina, whatever, in his press conference at the Final Four. You unequivocally commit to the university or college that you're at knowing full well, or maybe not knowing full well, that you're probably going to leave in the next couple of days. That is the recipe for college coaches. It happens every other month in college football and college basketball. You commit to where you're at. You say you're committed to the student athletes. It's all about teaching uh, you know, young men, blah, 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 blah. And it, I'm not saying it isn't, but that is what you say. That is the blueprint. Why he went off book here and off script is a little confusing, but if you know him, you know that he is a passionate dude. He can talk with the best of them. He's a rah-rah guy, us, we, family together, friars. He he coined the whole thing, and it kind of, in a sense, felt like him going through a public breakup. That's how it felt. It felt as if you you were some new girl was talking to you and you weren't sure what to do and you were still talking to your current girlfriend you weren't sure when you were going to break up and all your friends knew about it and you were talking about it and it was uncomfortable for everybody and for that i will say providence fans you you have a point on how it ended however you need to calm down before edward cooley you were in the basement keno davis Brought right, Keno Davis. Yeah, Keno Davis brought your program to the bottom. It could not have been worse. I was there on day one in 2011 and was part of the rebuild for two years. I promise you, you don't even know the half of how bad your program was. Let's stay there. Let's back up even further to how. What do we say all the time, Ian? What do we say? Expectations Expectations. for your athletic department. Do you know who you hired 13 years ago? The Fairfield University men's basketball coach who never made an NCAA tournament. You hired the Fairfield 
university men's basketball coach. That's who Providence could get. That was your, and, and I don't even think Cooley was the first offer. I think they whipped on a couple. So you hired a Mac coach to come and redeem your program. 13, 12 years later, he's gone to eight out of 10 tournaments, something that you guys never did. He's won a tournament game. He's won a Big East title. He got a, a Naismith coach of the year. And let me tell you something, Providence, your ceiling, what do we say? Back to expectations. Your ceiling is the Sweet 16. You guys have no business going to the Final Four, maybe once a decade. Once a decade, maybe you get a Final Four run. Maybe you get an Elite Eight run. But the Sweet 16 is your ceiling. Where you guys get off thinking that you are competing with, you're not Georgetown. You're not. Georgetown's a fundamentally just better program. It is. And I don't want to, he, I, like, we can go down, he didn't get paid that much, and blah, 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 blah. I don't care why he left. The reaction to this dude, because he was born in this state, what, he he's supposed to stay there for 30 years? Why? Why? The best coaches, follow Shaka Smart, the best coaches know when to get out before it makes sense to the public. It doesn't make sense for Cooley to leave right now. It does not. It doesn't make sense on paper. Things are going well. He just made another tournament. But the best coaches that survive in this in this insane, unloyal, backstabbing, whatever. There's no loyalty in this game. The best coaches know when to leave before things start to get – and let, let me tell you something. All these dumb fans, it's a new president. That's a big deal. This president has no loyalty to Ed Cooley. All of a sudden, two years in a row, you have some bad years, and there might be, you know, now we're hearing, oh, the you know, you may want to get rid of Cooley, whatever it is. New AD, who was the associate AD the whole time, Steve Napolillo and Cooley. And I, and I believe Cooley vouched for him. To Cooley get vouched for him, but I also think that was another. You think this dude is, this? listen, let me tell you something. He's funny, and he says funny stuff, and he comes off as, you know, like a goofball or whatever. That dude is smart as shit. And him vouching for Steve Napolillo got him as many more years as he needed. That That's why he wanted Napolillo in that job. So, and I'm not saying Napolillo wasn't deserving or whatever. Sure, he was. But that was a strategic placement by Cooley. I think this reaction is insane. Now you got Prez trying to get involved in college basketball, the dude, stick to betting, all right? Like, I, I'm so confused why Prez is getting involved. Goodman's tweeting at him. I have, have we ever seen, ever, I have talked to three people and I've asked this question. They cannot come up with another example of the vitriol or the sheer madness and discourse around a coach leaving. Yeah, there's only, no, there is one. And it's very, it's, it's, um, it's Chris Beard, but- yeah, but the difference is a little reversed. Of Chris Beard was going back to his alma mater, and Texas Tech, Texas is a much more heated rivalry. But it's very clear, also, and and this is a man that literally was less than a minute from a national championship at Texas Tech, and he still knew though. It's like Texas Tech, and and even after he left, like the next year, they were fine. They still stayed the same, but. When you can identify a job that you know, like long term, is going to provide you, whether it's more resources, whether it's more of an opportunity, whether it's whatever that may be. Obviously, I think Chris Beard had the ability, I don't want to say hide behind the fact that it was his alma mater. But if you look objectively, like Texas is on a different stratosphere of a job as Texas Tech. 
Yes. I think the biggest thing, and I saw someone say is, is Providence has had three really good coaches leave for better jobs. You had Rick Patino leave for the Knicks. You had Rick Barnes leave for Clemson, which you'd be that's the probably the most arguable one. And you had Pete Gillen leave for Virginia. There's not vitriol. There's not madness and hysteria in the streets. The reason, is, and part of it, I think the fans obviously definitely felt more connected to Cooley than probably any of those coaches. But the reason is just because it's in conference. Regardless if it's in conference or not, Georgetown is a better job. And from a legacy standpoint, outside of taking, like as you mentioned, Providence to a Final Four, which what he's done in 12 years already like deserves cemented among the greatest in Providence history. Final four, all right, it takes it up a notch. But from a coaching legacy, if you can rebuild Georgetown from where it is right now back to the final four level, that's, a, in my opinion, from an unbiased observer, it's much more impressive for me to say, hey, he revamped Providence to get to a really good spot as a program. And then he also revamped Georgetown and took them to a final four. I think that what if he could take Georgetown to a final four far outweighs getting over the hump, like a little bit further of getting Providence to a final four. So I, I get it. Like, I think that you're hundred percent, right. The optics around how it went down were not great. No, like with the house going on the market and the way he spoke and, and that, and like it was, it was uncomfortable. It and was I weird. Get it? It that listen. What we we started off with that right? Benefit of the doubt. All right, Friar fans, you can be upset with how it ended, but it's the I said this on the phone to my buddy. Like it's the stupid, dumb cliche of like, uh, you know, don't be mad because it's over. Smile because it happened. That's how you think about who you're talking about hiring. The head coach at Penn State. Um, I forget, like, Micah's in the mix, Kim English is in the mix, Archie Miller is in the mix, Danny Hurley, or not uh, Danny, uh, Bobby Hurley's in the mix. Like, again, Fairfield University men's basketball coach is who you hired, and now you're talking about hiring someone from the Pac-12, the Big Ten, uh, the A-10. Like, you're talking about hiring really, really good. Your last, yeah, the last hires, after Pete Gillen, they hired Tim Welsh, who came from Iona. Yep. After Tim Welsh left, you hired Keno Davis, who oh, Keno Davis enough. came went to from Drake. Drake. At the time, it was in the MVC. Um, obviously, you mentioned Cooley coming from Fairfield. Like now, you're like the list of guys that are now teed up for this job is either the sitting coach at Arizona State who was just in the tournament. Yep. You've got the head coach at George Mason who. Honestly, like a lot, I see a lot of people say, oh, Kim English, like they can, Providence can do better. It's like, dude, he's a good coach. He's a good coach. And the thing is, if this happened two years from now, you're probably not getting him because he's on the rise. And like, if you're in, you know, if you're around the industry, you know, he is one of the hottest names because he doesn't, the thing too, with that, I want to say is you see all these assistant coaches, like look at Jerome, Jerome Tang, obviously it's not apples to apples. Jerome Tang's much older. Drum yeah. Tang went right from Baylor as an assistant to Kansas State. Look what he's done. He's talking to if Kim English, I think, was still at Tennessee with Rick Barnes, it might be like it they might not be knocking as much. It's because he's been at Mason two years and they've been to they haven't been in the tournament, but he's won 20 games. Like it's almost that 
you talk about like a prospect in baseball, you want to trade him while their value is so high. It's like if he was still at Tennessee, it's like, oh, well, we don't know he's a head coach. Just because he's had two years of, at George Mason that have been good but not great doesn't mean you can like knock him as a candidate. But just the candidate pool, obviously we talked about that. We also talked all the guys that they're they're discussing, even Archie Miller, like it's a different category than it what it what it was and and before Cooley. And I think the one thing I would and just from a personal standpoint, I was trying to sit trying to put myself in the shoes of the Providence fan. And I'm trying to sit here and it's not this, it's once again it's another scenario. It's not exactly apples to apples, but if Tony Bennett left Virginia after what he's done, and obviously Tony Bennett's done even more at Virginia than Cooley's done at Providence. But I'm looking at the last since 1997. We put uh, Pete Gillen took him to the Elite Eight in '97. After that, Providence's only tournament appearances before Cooley was 2001 with Tim Welsh, first round exit. 2004, first round exit. Then didn't make the tournament again until 2014, and they went first round, first round, second round. Um, I think play-in game, maybe 17 they lost, round one, and and then Elite Eight, obviously, um, or sorry, Sweet 16 and 22. Regardless of all that, very, very similar to what Virginia was before Tony Bennett. I don't remember 95 and they went Elite Eight, but like almost, honestly, like almost identical. They had an Elite Eight in 95, which I don't remember. And then this is actually kind of creepy. 01, they made the tournament and lost in the first round. And then 07, they made the tournament, lost in the second round. And then nothing until 2000 and, oh, 2014 or 2012. Damn, man. It. So it's almost identical. And I I thought we might actually have this scenario. There was a scenario I was bracing for that Tony Bennett could leave for North Carolina when that job opened up, if there was interest there. And as a, as much as I love Virginia, I know my – and it's, it's an in-conference rival. I know that North Carolina – is a premier program to Virginia in the landscape of college basketball. Yeah. I know that Georgetown is a premier program to Providence as much as it would absolutely crush me as much as I would absolutely hate it. I would never ever fault Tony Bennett for taking North Carolina, for taking Kansas, for taking Duke, for taking Kentucky and not saying Georgetown is that top five job, but it fits him and he's got a connection there and it's, you are putting, you're putting him in charge of a program that is smack dab in the center of probably the best recruiting area in the entire country. So you can't, I cannot fault him whatsoever doing it. It's just, I, I wish it had been handled a little bit cleaner. The only one piece I want to bring up to you is that I, I looking at this is I think a lot of people are bent out of shape of how the season ended. They lost five of their last six and their only win ironically of those last six games was at Georgetown which everyone in their mind is assuming like, oh, he was at Georgetown. He was meeting with Lee Reed. Then he made his mind up and then they tanked the next four games. He wasn't thinking about it. Bro. I, Ed Cooley is too much of a competitor to just be like, yeah, like I don't want to win a game. I don't want to beat UConn in the Big East tournament. I don't want to beat Kentucky. Like that's crazy talk in my mind. Like you don't yeah. think that that dude wanted to win and that you just say, eh, I don't care about Providence anymore. Like it's a, just... that's the wildest take for me that they, that people think that he, purposefully just completely blew up the season and didn't care and didn't give any effort. That's such a lazy, dumb, like clickbait take because it's just not reality. It's not based in any reality. And let me prove it to you. We will, I will get the tweets. And when I record this video, they will show up right here. 
But even former player Nate Watson, Nate Watson's dad, former players were all tweeting, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. I got the source. I got the I know he's not going. If that isn't showing you how close to the chest he was keeping this. And again, why he was like playing it out publicly, which is just confusing. It doesn't make any sense. But all the way to the end, he had former players, coaches, parents tweeting, he's not going anywhere. I'm telling you, he's fry, blah, 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 fryer for life. He's staying. Like, so to think that this dude midseason took a job with George, it's just not how it works. It's just not how it works. Now, Good Lord, if we ever find out that's the truth, then fine, hand up, you know, we'll, for the first time in history, we'll admit uh, that something insane happened in, in the middle of a season in Big East play. But that's just not, it just isn't, man. It just isn't. And not for nothing, Cooley wasn't even in the running. Not, I, I wait, wait, wait. He wasn't even in the lead. Like, it was like, oh, uh, Mike, it was reports were like, Michael Shrewsbury's in the lead. He's probably going to get it. All of a sudden, that flipped. Like, I, I don't know, man. I I am trying to understand these delusional providence fans that think again back to expectations i don't know who you guys think providence is but you're only elevated because of this man so uh, your your reaction is is i'm i am so confused and let's talk uh cooley uh dave keeps talking about stabbing in the back Archie Miller is interviewing, maybe, for this job. <laughs> maybe. That is the definition of stabbing a, a college in the back. To go you're from going, Rhode Island to Providence you're going after to one year. Yeah. Big brother, you're going up the road. You made all these promises that you are Like, dude, that rivalry is, it's just like, you know, Xavier Cincy. It's like one of the most underrated, like, college basketball rivalries that people don't really pay attention to. Yeah. And they hate each other. That would be stabbing in the back. Going to a better job. Forget the money. Forget the money. Cooley got the money he got now because he was there for 12 years, right? And he built it up and he got a practice facility and he won. So forget the money. He He's 53 years old. Jay Wright retired at 62. He gets one contract extension and this is the last job that he needs and he's done. That's how I view it for him. I think he's like, give me 10 years. Let me win a couple. Let, year next year is probably going to be awful. Year two, just just get a little better. Year three, maybe you compete for a Big East championship. Year four, go to the tournament, get an extension, and then call it a life. Like that's what I think he's doing. His daughter's a senior there. You know, maybe she's going to stay in DC. Whatever. Like I also think we need to step back. And again, there's just no like nuanced conversation ever. Everything is just black and white and just stupid hot takes and whatever. In any other profession, nobody gives a shit. Anytime you're taking an upgrade, anytime you're getting a promotion internally, externally, you're going to this company, whatever, nobody cares. And I understand, I get it, that people aren't cheering on, you know, people at Deloitte, right? It, it, no one's cheering on your career. I know. And you don't have fans and you're not, it's not sports. But if you simply take one step back and zoom out and just be like, what's he doing? Well, he's... Just elevating, just elevating his career. That's all. That's all he's doing. And I get it. I know it's I know it's more nuanced than that. And there's details in Providence, Rhode Island, blah, 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 the whole thing. But let's end it with this. To think in in any day and age, in any day and age in coaching, let alone 2023, 
that a coach is expected to stay for some weird loyalty back we I, I, it's it's i can't i literally can't comprehend it i can't we watch over and over these coaches make prom- how long do you think deon sanders is going to be at colorado <laughs> come on come on what are we talking about and it's not like he was here for three years. This dude was here no. for 12 years. That's like a hundred years in college coaching. I'm yeah. done. I'm off. I'm off. I, I got to No, I, it, I, I get it completely. I mean, there's, I think at the end of the day, like you can do what's best for you. Like it's up, like it's, it's his decision. Like at the end of the day, there, if they don't like, yeah, obviously it's up to him to keep it winning, but like, let's say they have a couple down years and they're yep. not on the trajectory of being a consistent Sweet 16 contender or Final Four. Guess then what? He's like, not getting Georgetown. No, he doesn't get Georgetown, and he doesn't. It's like then, do you feel? I don't you're feel stuck. stuck there. You're, you're but stuck. You're stuck. And then you're getting like, and then the jobs that you're looking at are not the same jobs. Like you're looking at. It's it, it, it is. It's a really, really tough spot. I get it to leave, and I get the connection, and I get how he made all the fans feel, and, and it's great. But at the end of the day, would Travis Kelsey steal from The Rock? And he said, know your role and shut your mouth. And that's that, – I mean – Let's also – re- this is the, this will be the last thing I say, and then we'll talk about Duke UVA in the tournament. The last thing I'll say is this dude almost left – it was four years ago for Michigan. Michigan, He didn't yeah. get the job. He didn't get the job. He's been trying to leave. <laughs> and the thing, the difference there, too, is if he had gotten Michigan. I don't think there's not any, the, and, I don't and think and anybody If he had gotten cares. Michigan, it, you don't, if he had gotten Michigan left, you don't have the, I would say the legacy play is not even close to as big as it is with Georgetown because John Beeline's taken them they, in the last 10 years to yep. two national championship games that they lost. So it's just kind of like, can you sustain what the foundation that John Beeline was just able to lay over the last decade? Whereas Georgetown, it is literally as bad as it's ever been in that program. I mean, oh, it's God. it's not even comparable. They went 7-25 and 25 this year. I think they lost 18 straight. They they were 2-18 and 18 in conference. Whoa. Last year, they went 0-19 in conference. So they're combined two and 30. You can't get any worse. If this dude wins seven games in the Big East. He's, I mean, he's like a hero in year one. <laughs> now, the only thing I will say, and I, before we talk about the tournament, I do, I do want to bring this up. The Big East with now the addition, well, not, I want to say the addition, whoever Providence brings in, I think is probably going to up, up the conference coaching um, status yeah. as well. But because now Cooley is a, is a better coach than Pat was. No disrespect to Pat Ewing, but you get a better coach in Georgetown, and you're going to then re- – basically, whoever gets Providence is going to replace the spot that Patrick Ewing had. And so whether that's Bobby Hurley, whether that's King, Kim English, whatever it may be, Rick Pitino is now at St. John's. Honestly, if Jay Wright was in this conference, I might oh. go on a limb and say it's the greatest ever assembly of coaches, and it probably might even still be since that like original – Big yeah, East. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, the Gavin, Requiem for a Big everybody. East uh, doc on in, in ESPN everything. Like, absolute legends. The only thing I'll say, and it's not a knock at Cooley by any means, I don't think Georgetown will be in the tournament next year 
No. I would be very confident putting a future right now, a significant amount of money that St. John's makes the NCAA tournament next year. Ooh, that's a good bet. Because a, Rick, like, Tito moves the needle, bro. There's some dude. There's they have some guys that can play. They've got like Posh Alexander. Like, who knows? And he's gonna be able to get guys just like that. Guys that are in a grind. Guys, but like, he's done it at every single stop. Whether it's in college, whether it's the I know, say NBA, you could say whatever it may be. Whether it was in Greece, like the dude wins. The guy gets guys. He coaches them up. He's as good as it can be. Yep. The Big East is absolutely phenomenal. Um, it looks like, I mean, the, the other hires, I, we can save that for another time and we can kind of run through everything, but I did want to just touch on like the biggie, like it's, it's not going to be easy for Cooley because of how good the conference is, but no. my goodness, the big East is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Let's, uh, that was a good rant, man. That was a good, that was one of our better intros. Uh, let's get into the tournament. RT it's March sadness for, uh, Duke and UVA, um, a little bit more for UVA. Uh, no, you see a sweatshirt for those watching yeah, it. Positive PBL, vibes PBL. only. We'll let you. We'll let you uh, collect your thoughts. The Duke one's really easy, man. Um, you know they had a very confusing scratch of Mark Mitchell ten minutes before the game. There was conflicting reports that it happened in warmups or the day before, but. I think it happened in warmups because he was listed as a starter and then they had to switch it. The, the Duke account tweeted it out. So I think it happened. I thought that I thought that uh, Shire had come out and said something like we didn't learn. And like, I think it might have happened the day before, but they didn't know until like that right he wasn't, he wasn't gonna be able to go. Yeah. yeah, maybe that was it. I mean, he was listed as a starter. Then he wasn't. And yeah, I mean, Mark Mitchell is the the if you had to pick one. Um, maybe besides Lively or Roach, it's like you wanted Mitchell in there. He's a physical dude. He's a rebounder. He's their best wing defender. Um, they missed him. You know, they missed him. But Tennessee was down too. You know, they're missing their point guard, so there's really no excuse there. They got out tough. Uh, they got just out physical, man. I mean, Tennessee didn't care at all. They were throwing bodies, fouling, and from the jump too. Like you could tell the those first jump. few possessions, like. No, we're going to hip check you. We're going to put a body into you. We're going to yeah. make you try and feel uncomfortable. I mean, I, by the second media, Filipowski had blood on his face. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it, it was from the jump. It's very, very intentional. Yeah, I thought it was just a super simple. Not every game can you pinpoint exactly why you lost. This one was like brutally obvious, right? Like Tennessee was the more physical team. They out-rebounded Duke which like, I don't even know if that's happened uh, at, for Duke literally ever this year. They out-rebounded Duke. Um, they shot more free throws. They were better defensively. Duke couldn't get two feet in the paint ever. Jeremy Roach struggled. I really hope that's not the last game we see of him in a Duke uniform. Um, and it's the number one defense in the country. I mean, you know, there was a really good tweet. I think it was Eli. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but um he tweeted out basically like Duke's best defense that they saw all year was like mid fifties, you know, like yeah. it, it was just, they just didn't play any good defenses. The ACC was horrible. Then all of a sudden you run into an absolute buzz off Tennessee where like Duke could not get them in any rotations. They couldn't get two feet in the paint. They never made them scramble. And even when they could get an offensive rebound, they only took advantage of that like three or four times. They couldn't get out in transition I mean, it was it was. I mean, kudos to Tennessee, man. They dominated them. They dominated. One hundred percent. I mean, it. 
it's so funny to me how an opinion on a team can flip so quickly. Yeah, because, and, and, and not 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 like a shot, at Duke, but like every no, I don't think I saw anyone have Tennessee even like in the sweet, except for my wife. She, she is actually has them winning it all, which I is know. absolutely wild. How about that? Um, but no one had Tennessee really get into the second weekend because like, oh, they lost their point guard. They've really struggled offensively this year. Uh, yada yada. Everyone yep. Duke's coming off like the hottest stretch of any team has had, and. And it's so crazy of just like in a span of two hours, we went from completely flipped to now it's like you can make an argument that Tennessee is the most likely team to come out of that region. They play uh, FAU and then they've got either Michigan, Michigan State, State. Yeah. Or Kansas like, State. Or, I think the I think the, Kansas State. the team that should come out of that region is either Michigan State or Kansas State. Um yeah, let's. Yeah, I don't know. Let's. But you can make that argument, and it's pretty crazy um, to think about. But um, no, I mean, in Rick Barnes, like, kudos. They refs weren't, and whether it's the term, ever. I saw an argument. People were saying that, oh, like, refs don't like they don't call as many fouls in the tournament. But like, if you watch the Arkansas uh, Kansas game, if you watched the, uh, I guess who else? But there were a couple of those games on. I believe, I guess it would have been Saturday, that that were absolutely some of the worst. Like every single possession was foul calls, foul calls, foul calls. So I don't want to hear it's like all oh, the refs blew their whistle, didn't blow their whistle. Like I, I, I don't think it was a great officiate game by any means. But I also don't think that like it was because the refs swallowed their whistle by any. Uh, and so Duke did not lose because of the refs. I can promise you that. Um, all right. What happened when you saw the ball go up in the air and key? So, I wish mean the ball going up in the air on the pass or the ball going up in the air on the shot, because the right, shot, let's start with the pass. I, the pass. I, I'll take, I'll take a step back the possession before. So Virginia's winning. And I literally, so right before I'm sitting with a group in our office and they get it to key. Hey, I'm like, get it to him, get it to him. Like, Boom. They foul. It's like, perfect. That's what we want with the ball. I lose it. Like, that's what we want with it. Get to the line. Coworker, don't you feel a little better? Like, they're up three, two shots. I'm like, don't you feel a little better now? I was like. Like, shut up. I literally was like, no, because we've literally won games in this scenario. I've watched. It's like, I'm not content with it until it's over. Makes one of two. They give up an easy layup. Like, there's a lot of things. Like, I, I don't want to say, like, it's the – cliche of like oh it wasn't it can't just come down to one play like it because to be fair like isaac mcneely missed the front end of a one and one two possessions earlier kihei only hit one free throw on the next one and then i think just the most frustrating part is if you told me in that same scenario we're inbounding the ball what are we doing with it a hundred times out of a hundred i'm saying get it to kihei clark like even right now after that just happened i'm still saying that the most frustrating part, like, yeah, like could have done a million things. He could have called timeout, which would have been the easiest, the best thing. He could have thrown it off their leg. He could have just held the ball and maybe got a jump ball, maybe got a foul. He literally, it, it, Billy says, he could have literally just traveled and given them the ball and that just would have been, better. been able to set up defensively and have a position. Like anything would have been better than what happened. Can um, we quickly talk about, I said this to you when we, finally connected who caught it and gave it back to him because he gave it back to him when he was right in the corner. 
It's a good question. Caught it. I, I can't. It doesn't matter. Watch. Whoever. And if, they've whoever, been doing that a lot of like, like quick and get and catching get it like and that. giving it right back to him. And now you gave a five seven dude the ball, dead corner with two guys right there. And the thing that's ironic is that everyone always says they're like, oh, they like. Don't get me wrong. UMBC game was absolutely brutal. The Elite Eight Syracuse game for me as a Virginia fan, mm. probably even worse because you're right there on the doorstep. You're about to reach the Final Four for the first time. You're about to cruise, and then they just start pressing, and Virginia just uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically turns the ball over, yeah. which is what happened at the end of Furman. Like, the other part of this, if, I don't know how closely everyone was watching this. Like, Virginia, it never felt – until um slot Sla- was it slawson no slot um the power forward no, for um, i'm not gonna remember so and virginia was like it wasn't like hey back and forth like two-point game uh, it, like virginia had like a 12-point lead with what 15 twin 12 to go and then they literally went three three and one on three possessions it was just like whoa like what what just happened and so, and then Virginia did a great job, like battling back and getting it. And like, I hated the narrative going in that they're like, oh, Furman's just going to kill Virginia with threes and Virginia can't score and all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, like, I don't, once again, everyone's like, oh, well, it's Furman. Like Virginia scored, like, well, I'm looking at the final here. Virginia scored 67 points. They held Furman 10% under their, have their field goal percentage like so like they played well defensively they played like honestly like the 67 points they put up i'm looking at like that was the most outside of the clemson game like they put up 68 against carolina but 76 like it it's not it wasn't like it was a 55 they lost like 55 to 54 and it was really low possessions like it wasn't absolutely horrible It, it just sucks that like at the end of the day, like Kihei, I've seen it everywhere, made one of the best passes ever in NCAA tournament history and then made one of the worst. And I just hate for him. Is such a good kid that's grinded that I think even as we talked about a ton on the pod, as recently as like this past offseason, people didn't believe in him, like in his own, in own fans, which that just sucks because he's the winningest player in Virginia basketball history. He's played the most minutes in ACC history. He's number one on the assist list. Like he's played the most minutes in ACC history. And crazy. Oh, yeah. God. He's played the most minutes in ACC history. And the all and I the only thing I felt bad, the only thing he really didn't win was an ACC tournament title, which losing a Duke. Like that was he's won the regular season a few times. He's won a national championship. Didn't have a tournament title. But I, I wanted him to just go out a little bit better, which I, I feel awful for. Um, but at the end of the day, last thing I'll talk about is I, the, I didn't text. You. I, I was I had I was like I was also I went jumped right back into work after the game ended. But the one thing that drives me insane the amount of texts uh, and I, I get people are gonna pile on people are like, uh, but ah uh, ha ha Virginia lost another one great. I get it, whatever. The amount of people that actually truly believe they're like, maybe it, Tony Bennett is a fluke. I promise you, outside of maybe, <laughs> what are we going to go? I, I'm going to say 10, 15 programs, 350 programs in the country 
will take the last decade that Virginia had over their own. And I will, I promise you, hook them up to a lie detector test, any of that. I promise you, they will take the last 10 years of Virginia basketball over what they had. Like, I like, first, it, it's first really off, not a yeah. comparison. The it, and, and someone put it, but they, they actually put it, and you want to say, like, we said, and this is a, probably a perfect example. You ask a Gonzaga fan that have made, well, they've made nine straight Sweet 16s, a couple Final Fours, no championships. Like, would you take the six regular season championships, the three tournament titles, the one NCAA championship over your nine Sweet 16s? I think there's a pretty large majority is like, yeah, I just want a chip. Like, I wish we could have done it with Timmy and Suggs. Like, the Vir- I, I'm gonna before I lose my mind, I'm just gonna calm myself down and remember what my sweatshirt says. The Virginia Tech Hokie fans that think it's even comparable that their program is somehow has been in a better spot or even that you can even mention them in the same breath after their 81 to 72 NIT loss to Cincinnati this year is absolutely hilarious to me. They have made five tournaments in the last since 2008 buzz had three mike young has two they have two tournament wins which both came in 2019 yet there are virginia tech hokey fans that are trying to say yeah well you're really not that good because you've lost three times in the first round i don't care i will trade every single one of those give me three first round exits for three for or give me six first round exits for all six wins we had in the 2019 NCAA tournament, because at the end of the day, I know Virginia is going to be consistently good. I know they're going to have a chance. I get it's not for everyone. Everyone's going to crush them, but we have a national championship. We have one of the best coaches in college basketball, and it is what it is. It was a lot easier the last time. It was our alma mater that was beating Virginia. I will say that. Yeah. But I like. I'm not any less confident in Virginia basketball moving forward today than I was if you had asked me this question last week. Like, it, it, it is what it is. It's hard to win in the tournament. They've had some bad games, obviously some of the worst. Um, but we also also didn't lose to a team that um, got in the NCAA tournament on technicality. So shout out to Matt Painter for taking that monkey. Um, no, I was not taking a monkey off the back, but just a little relief there. Let's get into Painter, man. Uh, yeah, let's just get into the rest of the tournament. We said this in January. We were like, are we going to do this? Are we going to pick Purdue again? They end up being a one. I think it was you. All PC, the anger PC fans should feel should be felt by Purdue fans. That it it's to lose to FDU, who was like, name all the Ken, they were like 284th in offense and just like 200 whatever. They were horrendous. They're not a good team. They still, oh. to, right at, now, after all the wins they have, the metrics, they have a 350th ranked defense in the entire country. It's, it's almost like malpractice, like what happened. This to me, I, we'd have to, you may know, we may, we have to go back and compare it to UM, UMBC felt oh. way better than FDU. It was, and it's some no someone said metrics wise. Um, I think they said if the line based on the metrics, UMBC would have been seven point favorites against Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, yeah, so there you go. So, oh. and, and I think honestly, like, even if you look, like, let's see, UMBC, 
in 2018, just where they were in Ken Palm, they were 166. Yeah, so, so like solid lead. 166. They were 124th in defense, and they were 40th in the country in three point shooting. So like, what's the one thing that could bust up Virginia? It was like, it was three point shooting, and they scored 74 points. Now, Grant, they blew Virginia out, but like, it might. It's it's really not very comparable. I think like fairly. No, this Dickinson is like is, the worst loss in tournament history. I think. You also have a like, I remember. I, I don't know if we said it on the pod. No, we didn't say it. It wasn't because it was before. It was just after the play-in game when Tobin when Tobin called out Purdue. Oh, I was we, like, yeah. Well, what, our, what are our we chat, doing? Our I chat said, what lit are we, up. I said, "What are we?" I was like, "Dude, you're like, why do you need to just? Why are you poking like, the bear? Spark the like exactly. You're poking the the seven four national player of the year, Zach Eady bear. And I was like, he might go for fifty himself." Ironically enough, how you can't the the offensive guru himself, Matthew Painter, how we can't get Edie the ball on every possession on a team that's tallest FDU's tallest dude is like six seven six six. I it it was like borderline malpractice. Like I just couldn't believe what was happening, and that's the and thing. They do. And- they really do, and I, I they run some of the best stuff. Purdue. They have. Yeah, yeah, anomaly of a player. Like I the only it. thing I'll say is that Purdue, like they, their guards, like they, Zachy. Someone put it perfectly. It made sense when you talk about like the upsets. Like, there's no, in my opinion, if you look at it, there's not any pros on the team. And oh, not, Edie's like Edie's projected. I think late first, second. But like you're not like the thing that everyone is saying. Like even if. When Virginia won nineteen, it was like, oh, the style, they can't get over the hump. Like no, you had three. DeAndre Hunter was the fourth overall pick. Ty Jerome was a first round pick. Kyle Guy spent three years in the league. Diakite's been in and out. Like Jay Huff's in the like you have guys like and I'm sure there will, but there's no one on that team. Like, I still think you need dudes. Like need dudes. Freaking Christian Brown on Kansas last year. First round pick. Like yep. you, you just have guys like I don't like Zach Eady is Zach Eady, but like Fletcher Lawyer, Mason Gillis, Braden Smith, like, are those league guys? Like, and at the end of the day, like, they couldn't handle the pressure. They couldn't handle, like, and... This also, let's also not get caught in the narrative. Every time a young team loses, by the way, and I bring this up because, you know, Duke, Twitter, and blah, blah, blah. Every time a young team loses, it's you can't win with freshmen. You can't win with freshmen. You need... Every time an old team loses, nobody says shit. Purdue's old. They don't – nobody says anything. It's well, just – Well, I'll say their guards are young. They're, they're all freshman guards, but you're right. They're like, older. They're are, older than yeah. you, I'm saying. Lawyer's a freshman. Braid Smith's a freshman. But then, like, Gillis is a junior. Edie's a junior. Caleb First is a sophomore. Like, you know, so – but you're right. Like, in terms of experience, they are – they're 282nd in, in the country in experience. But at the end of the day – actually not as, as old as – they're younger than I thought, I should say. But they're the 21st biggest team in the country um, versus the smallest team. It literally David versus Goliath. I, it's, um, it, it's pretty incredible. And and shout out to Fairleigh Dickinson as well. And, to, and absolutely. Oh, like, has gone, baby. <laughs> he's, he's gone, which it literally, I, it, I actually laughed. Like, I got a verbal chuckle when I saw his tweet of like, 
it's been an incredible eight months. <laughs> he's being serious about it, but it's like it's also it that could be like a parody tweet. It's like I've loved the last eight months or whatever we've had, like or ten months, whatever it was, less than a year that he's been there. Um, and he's off I to was, Iona, which um, good for him. Like, yeah. I was good dying. for him. But like honestly, and then for them to show, it's not like they they showed as much toughness I've ever seen any team, especially against FAU battling back. Ooh. Like. They were at every loose ball, the way they like would trap the post, the way they'd front the post, they'd hunt like he had those dudes absolutely playing their hearts out. 354th in the country in division one experience, 363rd in average height. Just absolutely on unbelievable um from from Toby Anderson and and the uh and, and and the fairly Dickinson squad because that I mean this is a team that lost to Hartford. Dude, in, lost in to November. Hartford. They lost to Saint like Peter's. a D4 team right now. They lost to Central Connecticut. They lost to Wagner. They lost to Stonehill. They lost to St. Francis PA. Like and then they and once again, like no shot of them. Like, shoot, man. Merrimack's gotta be sitting back there like that's really, really like salt in the wound. Like Merrimack won the regular season. They won the championship or they won the tournament. Such a dumb rule. But dumb rule. Fairly Dickinson, like no one yeah, like, took that's advantage. the only thing it sucks. It's like Merrimack is Merrimack rightfully belong into it, but the one that we'll remember and we'll speak about forever and ever and ever are the knights of Fairly yeah. Dickinson. So all right, let's talk about what we got wrong. Uh I could not have been more wrong on Texas AM and Arizona. Uh, I had Texas A&M obviously beating Penn State. I had them beating Texas, and I had them beating Xavier. Wow, that was a brutal first uh, day Tough. for me. Um, so I lost. But I don't think you were too off that because I probably would have had Penn State beating te- Texas if I didn't uh, feel so scared that Texas A&M could knock them off in the first game. Like I, I yeah. love Penn State, but I also was drinking the Kool Aid of Texas A&M being the best seven seed of all time, and yep. so I was a little scared to do that. So I don't I don't blame you, but um Yeah, I got that I got that one wrong. I got Arizona wrong. As but here's the thing. We all got Arizona wrong. So I feel good. Uh, uh, not that but we did we did we did, we did that sit. wrong. I had him losing the I had him losing in the second round. I didn't, oh, okay. I didn't have him losing the first round, but I had him losing in the second round to uh I had him losing to Utah State who was, uh, yeah, you didn't so I, 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 didn't I had him going to the Elite one. Eight. So that one hurt me. So I lost two elite eights on day one. That was brutal. Did you have any bet? That's really it, though. My bottom, uh, my west bracket is lights out. Um, I had, I got every UCLA, Gonzaga, UConn, Arkansas. Um, no, I feel great. I'm, my bracket on ESPN. It's at ninety-six point eight percentile. But the best thing I think I've got the only all I have seven of my elite eight teams are still playing. The only one is that is knocked out is Purdue, which I I went back and forth of switching Duke and Purdue anyways. And it wouldn't have mattered because Duke would have been out. But to have seven of eight elite eights, all That's my good. final fours are in like I feel good now. Do I feel confident in like I've my so I've got Alabama Creighton. I feel great about that. Creighton. San Diego State can give them a game, but I feel great. Like Creighton against Creighton against Princeton, no knock at Princeton, but I feel most confident there, and I feel confident against Alabama. Um, uh, Purdue is out, um, so we'll not have either FAU or Tennessee. 
Yeah. Um, I have Michigan State, which I think in the Final Four. I have Michigan State in the Final Four. Oh, um, what a pick by you! I I have Michigan State in the Final Four. My thing, I'm I'm very 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 much worried about the way Kansas State's guards are playing. Marquise Noel is playing like oh, oh wait wait whoa, 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 whoa. the little guy the, the little guy. What are we John doing? Cal we Cal. we didn't talk about that. What's Coach Cal doing? He he apologized. I, I saw, think. but like. But, it, that's that a wild. That's wildly disrespectful. Wildly um, disrespectful. And I went to. The, I we let Kelly and I. We went to the games to support Xavier and shout out Dante Jackson and the and the Musketeers. But yeah. we left with like a little bit to go. And like, I don't know why I'm that scared of Kansas State because for I feel like outside of the last four minutes in the first half and then the last like six or seven minutes in the second half, they looked mediocre. But then the end of each half, they just looked like they could just bury teams and they were hitting forever and pull up. So um, I've got Michigan state. The one thing I do feel good about that is I have been in the garden for the NCAA tournament in this, in the regional um, rounds where Michigan state's fans will show up. Oh, they no, will no. be. And I was at Kansas, Kansas state's fans were not there in Greensboro. That place was 90% Kentucky big blue nation. But hmm. so I, I do feel I do think that Michigan State of all the teams that are there between Tennessee, FAU, um, Kansas State, Michigan State, there will be a large Michigan State contingency, and I feel good about that. And then I've got Houston, um, I've got Houston Xavier, and I've got Houston moving on. Xavier, like Texas, Texas has looked good. Obviously, like they've stayed hot. I, I, I think. Um, but at the same time, there's been moments where Xavier looks like they could just put a hundred on people. Like when Kunkel gets scored, Sule Boom, like Sule Boom plays like Kyrie, and like huh. they play, they've got four really good guards. Um, they're not deep. That's the only thing that scares me a little bit. But like it's this is going to be, I think, in my opinion, probably the best or one of the best elite guard matchups that we'll have the whole tournament is Texas versus Xavier. Um, that'll be in Kansas city. And then I had, I had UConn UCLA and I have UConn winning that. I, and I have UConn going to the final four. So right now my final four was Alabama, Michigan state, Houston, UConn. I feel most confident probably about Alabama and UConn um, and then Houston, the Michigan state, but UConn is showing like they can, they, 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 they can get there and they look solid, but it's Houston. Houston's winning it. it Three is. months ago, I said Kansas was going to repeat. I have Houston winning it, and I'm, I'm still it. happy with that. I think they're the best team. But my goodness, did Marcus Sasser scare me with some of his with his groin injury there for a little bit? I got. I know, it. but it, it's like it, that has calmed down. He looks to be okay. Like they showed a ton of resiliency um, in the second round to be able to come back. Yes, and and just absolutely smoke Auburn the way they did in Birmingham made me very happy. Do not like Auburn. Do not like their fans. Do not like Bruce Pearl. So it made me very, very happy. They absolutely shut Auburn down the second half, and they were hitting. So hopefully that was like a wake-up call, and this week gives Sasser time to get healthy. Um, I still feel good about it, and I'm happy with it. Um, the all my, I guess my only, what's your your one regret? I'm assuming would be Texas A&M. That's my number one. Arizona, I had going deep in uh, as well. So they, I had them going to the Elite Eight. That sucks. Um, so those are my two. Kent State, I picked the wrong upset. I did have Furman. I'm sorry. So I feel good about that. Um, and I did have Arkansas over Kansas. 
Kent State was the one I was kicking myself a little bit over. Yeah, um, I was like, damn it. Why they didn't I hit shots. Close? I mean, they got looks, but was I so oh and you gotta make you gotta you gotta make shots. The only one I, I was I'm glad I picked San Diego State. Um I, I I did have Virginia over them in the second round, but I'm glad I'm very happy that I picked Creighton. I got a little worried there and Terquavion started going and like I that. Know. But um the only one honestly, and like I can't even be mad because it ended up being Princeton. The only one I was honestly like upset about was Utah State. I felt really good about Utah State beating Missouri, and I had Utah State being Arizona. Um, outside of that, yeah, that's like, a tough one. Outside of that, I'm happy. I had Kentucky over Kansas State. Still, I came down the wire. Like, um, but we've got some good. I mean, we have good basketball. I think by far, what is the region you're most looking forward to this this weekend? Oh, the West. It's not even close. It's, yeah, the West. It's, it's not even close. It's oh. it's like having a rematch of UCLA Gonzaga. Yeah. Having Bobby Hurley, having um no, sorry, Bobby Hurley, having Danny Hurley, and then having Eric Musselman, two of the absolute biggest lunatics in the sport. And, and not about like the dudes are just out of their Fire. mind. Yep. In Las Vegas, like you can't write them any better, and like somebody, no somebody, knock at MSG in the game, but like if I uh, had to choose, it's it's hands down like I want to be there. Now I will say I think the matchup I'm most looking forward to is probably probably Xavier Texas. That's gonna be a, um, that's gonna be a brawl. Houston Miami is gonna be good. Houston Miami will be really good. I don't care about Alabama San Diego State, and then and I don't see like Gonzaga like. I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Gonzaga came out with that one. So, all right, man, Sweet Sixteen edition. It's all it's coming down to it. Obviously, we'll record again next Monday, and uh, that'll be it, man. Are you going to Houston? I don't believe so. Yeah, I'm kind of, okay. and it's the only in the last since 2010. I've missed two Final Fours, and the only ones I missed were in Houston. So I think it's just something about Houston I don't. Is, it's 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 it's, I, it's the least favorite one so i'm i will be more than happy to sit here um and then uh and, and then go to um head up to new york for mets opening day right after so I, I would much rather do that so um and it is what it is i mean we've got good basketball this weekend and then we it's three total games after that so it's pretty crazy we're here but um I'm sure there'll be plenty of drama. The coaching carousel will will carry us into in, into Final Four weekend as well. That's it, man. Almost another season. Um, all right, we'll be back next week. Until then, keep the ball bouncing. Deuces. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rust, souls up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.